morning, everybody. Good to gather together in the name of Jesus Christ once again and to open up God's Word. Uh, the Bible, that is really what it is, God's Word. If it's God's Word, that means when we read it, it's God talking to us. So uh, hopefully he talks to us this morning and uh, we see what he has to say for us here this morning. So we are in the book of Acts. The big study we're doing is the life of Paul Uh, And a large part of it has been in the book of Acts. We've been seeing a lot of interesting things happen. Paul went from a persecutor, a violent aggressor, persecutor of the church. He wanted to ravage and destroy the church. And within uh, hours, his whole mind changed and he turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. God changed him immediately. He began preaching. And what was his message? The message it said several times was Jesus. That was the message. And it was apparently a powerful message because uh, all sorts of things started to happen in response to that. And now as he preaches the gospel, Jesus Christ, uh, we see so many things happen. And we'll see that again here in Acts chapter 14, verses 1 to 7. Last week, uh, we saw Paul and Barnabas go to Antioch, where they preached the word. They faithfully preached the gospel. Some believed and some did not. And then there was hostility against them. And eventually, the hostility built up to where they were driven out of town. Uh, And at that point in time, they said, okay, uh, you Jews, you don't consider yourself worthy of eternal life. We're turning to who? The Gentiles. Unbelievable. Turning to the Gentiles uh, with the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so what's going to happen next? They just announced we're turning to the Gentiles. We're leaving you guys. We're going to go somewhere else. And uh, let's see what happens next as they go to Iconium. Acts chapter 14, verse 1. In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both of Jews and of Greeks. Wait a minute. Paul and Barnabas, you just announced to everyone you were turning from the Jews and going to the Gentiles now. Why did you go to the synagogue? Uh, And specifically, the synagogue of the Jews. Uh, I thought they were turning to the Gentiles now. Well, they never really turned away. They never said that the Jews couldn't be saved. They were just kind of just had it with the Jews who constantly were giving them problems and would not accept it and were very antagonistic against it. But God still has plans for the Jews, doesn't he? And he still does today. Maybe some of you have been thinking about that lately, uh, God's plans for the Jews. He still had plans, and uh, Paul still loved his brethren, his brothers, uh, the Jews, and he wanted them to be saved. Of course, God did too, and Christ came to save them as well. So they did as they normally would do, and in the book of Acts, we see this happen over and over again, Uh, kind of the same story happen, and we're going to see it again play out in Iconium here. Uh, they go into the synagogue and things start there. So they go into the synagogue of the Jews. Uh, They go together. It is Paul and Barnabas. Interesting that Paul's probably the one who did most of the talking, if not all of it. Uh, Why didn't Barnabas just stay outside or go sit down? Well, they do things together. It's interesting. I'm not sure exactly what we learned from that, 
But they, in all the things that they're doing, they do that together, at least so far. Remember Barnabas, uh, when he first came on the scene, um, he was helping out Saul at a time when others wouldn't talk to him. Uh, remember, he came and encouraged Paul, uh, led him to the church, and eventually things uh, got better with Paul and the church. Uh, but it was Barnabas that came and encouraged him along the way, and they stuck together, and now we have a great team, uh, Paul and Barnabas, uh, winning souls for the Lord. And so here they are together in the synagogue. Even though Paul would be the one talking, they're working together uh, in the synagogue of the Jews. And they spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both of Jews and of Greeks. Interesting how that's worded. A large number believed. Now, we've come across that in Acts several times. A large number believed. It just kills me to not know what that number is. I would really want to know. What's a large number? Uh, well, it's not a small number. I've sat for hours trying to think about what could it be. I don't know. Uh, I think more than 50. Uh, probably a, between 100 to 500, I would consider large. I don't know. Something like that. But a large number, and they believed. Why did they believe? Well, ultimately, we know it's the Holy Spirit of God convicting them of sin and leading them to Jesus Christ. Uh, ultimately, it's the Spirit of Christ himself who promised that he would be with his people even to the end of the age as they went out and told the whole world. Uh, ultimately, it's God, but it's interesting how it's worded. They spoke in such a manner. The Holy Spirit led them to speak in such a way that it led people to believe. What did they say? How did they speak? I really want to know. <laughs> we don't know. We're not told. Uh, but I would love to hear their message. Because what? think about this message. How amazing was this message? Who believed? Jews and Greeks. Now, we've come across this a lot in Acts. Uh, the Gentiles can believe just like the Jews. Uh, we've kind of dealt with this already. But I was thinking... One message, it was one message, and Jews and Greeks, and I think when it says Greeks here, it's pointing out that it is Gentiles, but it's not Hellenistic uh, Jews, it's not proselytes, it's actual Greeks, Gentiles who have the background of a Gentile. Jews, think about the background of a Jew and the background of a Gentile. The Jews would believe in one God, monotheistic. They would believe that that God's in charge of everything, created everything. He's the one that sets the laws and what's right and wrong. Uh, he has set up a sacrificial system. All the Jews might not have understood everything, but they would have known that and believed that sort of thing, and probably a lot more than that. Probably they knew some of the Psalms and some of the prophets there too. That's the Jewish mindset. And remember, they were speaking to the Jews and many of them believed this one message. But who else got saved? The Greeks, the Gentiles, at the same time. Same message. The Gentiles, what do they believe? I think it's the opposite. Uh, the, the big thinking at the time would be lots of gods, not one god, lots of different gods. And how do you worship him? However you feel like it. You worship basically however you feel like Worshiping, which leads to all sorts of sin and all sorts of crazy things going on. That's their view. And they still had a view kind of like the gods were kind of powerful and stuff and need and we should obey them in some form. 
But it was very confusing, you know, and how do you do that and lots of different gods? Do you see the different directions they're coming from? The Jews and the Greeks would come at it. How can there be one message where they both believe? If I was speaking to a Jewish crowd, I would probably tend to say more Jewish things, right? I'd quote from the Psalms and the, the prophets a lot. I'd talk about Abraham uh, and uh, Moses, you know, that would, that's what the Jews, that would get to them. Would that affect the Gentiles? Probably not so much. I might speak differently to the Gentiles, but it was one message and they both got saved. What's the message? Again, we're not told. I'd really like to have more details here about what's going on. But what's the message? We've been told before in Acts. What was he preaching? He was preaching Jesus Christ. What's the one thing that could bring Jews and Gentiles and anybody together to believe? Jesus Christ. Must have been quite a message about Jesus Christ. Maybe they simply told everyone how God created everybody. He created you and loves you very much. Maybe they told everybody how he has a, a set of laws, right and wrong, and you've broken them. That's bad news. Uh, you deserve punishment. Whether you uh, know the details of the punishment like the Jews or just a general feeling that you know you've done something wrong like the Gentiles, either way, you deserve punishment, but God loves you so much that he left heaven. And he came to earth and lived among us, Jews and Gentiles. Uh, he lived among sinners, uh, lived a perfect life, and allowed people to kill him on a cross. And when he did that, he took the punishment, fulfilling all the sacrifices that you Jews know about. He fulfilled every one of them. And if you believe that, you can be saved through his sacrifice. He Gentiles, he loves you so much. Uh, he did this for you. He showed, he proved his love. And he rose from the dead, and uh, that proves that he's alive today, and he can save you as well. All of you can have a relationship with the one true God through Jesus Christ. Everyone, doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile or anything, uh, any other religion, any other thing, or if you don't believe anything and you don't know anything about anything, uh, you need Jesus Christ, Right? Uh, we all need Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing as I was thinking about this. Uh, one message for the whole world, Jesus Christ. All of you sitting here this morning, I don't know where all of you come from or your backgrounds. Maybe you have a very religious back, back, background. Maybe since a kid you've learned religious things about God and who he is and what he's done. Maybe you have no religion at all and you don't know much of anything. You all need Jesus Christ. And you can turn to him today, just like they did here. I wonder if many of them showed up at the synagogue expecting, like always, another little message uh, from the Old Testament. And some of them found salvation that day. You can find salvation too. Jesus Christ, he's for everybody. For you this morning, if you've already accepted him, you can praise the Lord. Most of you, I think, are Gentiles right here, right? Uh, well, the words come to the Gentiles. Even in Yakima, Washington, of all places, uh, we can believe the gospel and be saved. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, your background, religious or not, 
you can be saved by Jesus Christ. Turn to him. It's a personal relationship with him. You can talk to him today. You can talk to God through Jesus Christ. Ask him to forgive your sins if you know you're a sinner. Uh, ask him to help you see who the, what the truth is and who he really is. Turn to him today. You can do that uh, today, no matter what your background is. Many people believe, large numbers, Jews and Greeks, and we've set the stage now for what's going to happen next. Verse 2, but the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. <clears throat> Is that a big surprise here? It's happened before in the book of Acts. They're following the same said guidelines. Uh, they preach the gospel in the synagogue. Some get saved, some don't, and eventually uh, there's persecution. It was interesting to find out... Um, I was thinking this and read in a commentary, someone who had gone back and looked at it all. In Acts, the persecution always starts. There's only one time it doesn't. It always starts with the Jews, the religious people. They often stir up the Gentiles uh, against the people, and that's what's going to happen here. But it usually starts with the religious people. Uh, it's not the pagans out there. It's the religious people that stir up the persecution. Interesting. But they stir up uh, the minds of the Gentiles. So the Jews and the Gentiles here are going to rise up against the gospel, against uh, Jesus Christ. Isn't it wonderful when Jews and Gentiles work together, when they can come together? You should all say no. <laughs> it's not. They're coming together against Jesus Christ, isn't it? Uh, what can unite two enemies uh, well, uh, a common enemy. These Jews, I would guess, probably are the kind that wouldn't go into a Gentile's house and eat lunch with them or anything like that. Yet, they were willing to work with them if it meant what? If it meant working against the apostles and against the gospel. Uh, amazing here. And we see this happen over and over again in Acts uh, the Jews stirring up the mind. It seems like they're pretty good at it. They do it in many places. Boy, and next week, uh, the next section we're going to read about, if there's ever a time when the minds are stirred up one way and immediately another way, and they even try to kill them then, uh, the Jews are pretty good at doing that. Thinking about that, um, it is easy. Sometimes it's easy to get a crowd stirred up and get them excited about something, maybe even something they don't even understand or know what they're doing. We need to be careful uh, that we're not always following the crowd, right? Uh, crowds can be heading the wrong direction. Uh, we need to be really careful that we're not just following what the, the majority of people do or what the majority of people say. We need to make sure we're following God and what he says. In going through Acts here, and especially in this section, I've really just been wondering, what is it that causes these Jews to do this? You know, they embittered the minds uh, of the Gentiles against the brethren here. That took some work. That took some planning. They must have gone out of their way to, to accomplish this. Why are they doing this? Why do they spend so much work doing this and so much time? I understand Paul and Barnabas, you know, they believe that people need to hear the gospel. I understand that people get moved to go do that, and they'll do anything, even go through persecution to do that. That makes sense to me. Does that make sense to you? It 
should. You know, there's heaven and hell are in the balance here. But why do these guys have to spend so much time and effort, just as much, against the gospel? Why are they so uh, consumed with stopping the church? And you know, I can't tell you, I honestly know, it probably has to do with evil, uh, sin, or sin nature. I'm sure Satan and the demons were involved at some level here in all of this. But I went back and read, and there is one interesting thing that seemed common in all of these situations. It mentions the crowd, the crowd. And last week, it specifically mentioned the crowds. Uh, the Jews didn't like that the crowds were believing the apostles. It's often the crowds. Uh, they're really, what were these Jews really concerned about? Well, one of their number one concerns were the crowds, pleasing the crowds and not seeing the crowds turn to the gospel. Uh, so another thing I just want to say uh, we need to watch out for, that we don't be like them, we need to not just play to the crowd. We need to not be so worried about the crowds. We need to be worried about really pleasing one person. Who's that one person that we really should be concerned about pleasing? It's God. Uh, you should be concerned about what God thinks about you and not so much the crowd. I've heard preachers say that before and it never really clicked, but after thinking about this, I totally agree now. I think it's God is the number one uh, thing we should be worried about. Uh, I would love to see crowds come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a great thing. Um, but playing to the crowd and thinking about the crowd so much, we just need to be careful about because it could twist things, could lead us in the wrong direction. We need to think about God and what he wants. <clears throat> All right. And of course, uh, the ultimate example of that is Jesus Christ uh, when he died on the cross. Weren't the Jews playing to the crowds? They got the crowds to yell, crucify him. Uh, they were working with the crowds there as well. <clears throat> Okay, so there's persecution now. They, they riled up the Gentiles against the believers, the brethren, they're called here. Therefore, they, what should they do in response to this? Now, in Acts, we see several things happen. Once the hostility comes, and it usually does, sometimes they stay, sometimes they leave. And uh, it actually happens. It goes both ways sometimes. Well, this time, therefore, they spent a long time there. I always kind of laugh when I read that. Uh, so they embittered the Gentiles. They did all they could. The Jews, you know, they, they did all they could, put all their resources, all their time and effort. We got to stop these apostles. I think we've done it. And then they find out, oh, okay, since there's a persecution, we're going to stay longer. Uh, and we're going to keep preaching boldly like we've never preached before. It's kind of funny because the Jews spent all their time to, to squash this, to get them out of town, to stop it. And so, you know what? God overrules that. How did they know to stay at this point in time and that they shouldn't go? You know, I don't know. I was thinking a lot about it. I just read a commentary last night that said the same thing. They wondered and went back and looked in Acts. There's really no exact explanation for when they would stay and when they would go other than the Holy Spirit made it clear to them when they should stay and when they should go. So, when should we go? When should we stay? 
Stay close to God. Stay close to the Holy Spirit. Read his word, pray, listen to him, and when God tells you to go somewhere, you should go. When God tells you to stay somewhere, you should stay. Uh, that doesn't just mean physically you're living somewhere. It could mean lots of different things. Uh, God could have you stay in a situation, or maybe he wants you to go. Maybe he wants you to stay witnessing here. Maybe he wants you to go. Uh, we should stay close to God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And uh, when he says go, go. When he says stay, you stay. They stayed and they spoke boldly. Uh, boldly speaking, not just in the synagogue now, uh, but this probably is much more than that. With reliance upon the Lord. They were relying on the Lord for their strength, relying on, on the Lord for leading them to do this. Really, in the first place, when they spoke at the synagogue, weren't they relying on the Lord there as well? It was God in the middle of all of this, causing people to be saved and all this to happen. He was testifying to the word of his grace. Is that another word for the gospel there? The word of his grace. Uh, it's interesting how their message is summed up here, the word of his grace. The message that they had it was about grace. Grace has to do with getting what you don't deserve. You don't deserve salvation. You don't deserve to live with God in heaven for eternity. But by God's grace, he offers it to all of you, Jew or Gentile, whatever your background. It's all grace. It's all the grace of God. And that's what they were offering to the people. Guys, you don't deserve it. Any amount of religion isn't going to save you. But by the grace of God, you can be saved. And you can be a part of his family, and you can be with him for eternity in heaven. It's all part of his grace. He was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. Perhaps this was important because the Jews had stirred up the Gentiles, remember? And uh, probably they were spreading word that you shouldn't listen to the apostles. You shouldn't listen to this message. It's wrong or something like that. Well, God was showing this is the right message. This is the right one. You should listen to it. Granting signs and wonders. Some sort of miracles were going on. Signs, it's called signs. Signs point to something. Well, the sign here would point to the fact that you should listen to the apostles and the message. Okay, The miracle wasn't the main one and only thing. It just pointed to the message that you should believe the message about Jesus Christ and his grace. Wonders is something that would leave people in awe. They would be amazed at what they saw, and they would realize something is going on here. This is greater than just another religious moment or something like that. This is God. We should listen to the gospel. And they were being done by their hands. God was doing the miracles. God was doing the saving. God was doing the convicting. It's all God. But he uses people, doesn't he? It was being done by their physical hands. Their hands were reaching out and healing people. It was God doing it, but he was using people to do it. God can use people in mighty ways. He could use you uh, to do something great as well. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them, they became aware of it. And they fled to the cities of Lyconia, Lystra, and Derbe, and the surrounding region. And there they continued to preach the gospel. 
It's interesting here in the book of Acts, there's a big transition going on, the Jews and the Gentiles. At the beginning, the Jews kind of felt like they were the believers and the Gentiles were off. Kind of the enemies, or I don't know if they call them enemies, but just not people part of the promise. But do you see how it's being squished together? The Jews and the Gentile believers are now one. Uh, and the unbelieving, antagonistic people are Jews and Gentiles as well. Uh, there's a group forming that's not Jew or Gentile. It's together they are persecuting the Jews and Gentiles that are believing. It's not Jew and Gentile now. It's the, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is forming here. <clears throat> that consists of Jews and Gentiles and anyone who believes. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. It's interesting at the wording here. Some sided with the apostles. What's the word that was used earlier? Some sided with the brethren. So uh, brethren, apostles, uh, together, we're just talking about the church, those who believe in Jesus Christ. Specifically, it's mentioned apostles here. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews, once again, isn't it just beautiful when Jews and Gentiles work together? <laughs> well, if it's for God, yes. If it's... Uh, you know, against God, no. <clears throat> With their rulers and to mistreat them and stone them. What rulers these are, we don't know. We're not told, but we have a big clue because it says they're going to stone them. The Gentile didn't stone people. That's not something that they did. It wouldn't even enter their minds. So to stone them must mean Jewish rulers. Maybe some of the leaders of the Jew were involved in this, at least working with the other Gentile rulers. Uh, but the Jews were in charge because if they're going to be stoned, that's a very Jewish thing. And they probably would say that they were blaspheming, and that would lead them to uh, stoning them. So they became aware of it, and this time, remember before there was persecution, therefore they stayed a long time and keep preaching the word. Uh, but apparently, the people God had chosen to be saved were saved, they had built up the church enough to withstand the persecution, and apparently it was time to move on. And how did God show them it was time to move on? Well, apparently this happened here. They became aware of it, that they wanted to actually mistreat them and stone them, so they fled away. It was time to go. <clears throat> it does say to mistreat them and stone them. A couple commentaries pointed out mistreat is a very strong word. They wanted to violently do bad things against them. Uh, this is serious evil stuff. This is not just a little bit of persecution. They physically wanted to torture them and do horrible things to them and kill them at the end uh, with stoning. Uh, this is big. This is evil. Uh, sometimes in Acts, when they stayed, maybe the persecution wasn't quite as much. When they came to stoning or killing, maybe that's when they left. Sometimes that happened, but it wasn't always the case. Uh, but in this case, God does make it clear it is time to move on. Uh, the cities of Lyconia. The word Lyconia actually can mean a lot of different things. It probably just means a region there in uh, southern Galatia. I guess I put a map up there. I should point it out. So they started in Antioch last week, and then we went to Iconium here. Let me stand over here. 
Iconium right there. So now they go to Elystra. Is that really far away? Were they running for their lives and afraid they were going to be killed? I don't think so. If they did, if you're going to be killed, would you go there? <laughs> it's only one dot away. Uh, so I think they were going where God wanted them to go. God wanted the gospel to be spread somewhere else. Uh, he was in charge, and he, they went where God wanted them to go. And so they went to Lystra. A smaller, more rural place, Lystra and Derby, probably no synagogues there. And uh, their people would be more spread out. So here, they would be spreading the gospel, not so much in a city, but spread out to lots of different people in lots of different ways. But the gospel would spread. The gospel would spread, and more people would believe, and wild things will happen. And we'll pick up on that next week. We'll see what happens there. But it says in verse 7, And there they continued to do what? Preach the gospel. The word continued to go out. It went into Antioch and people got saved. People will be in heaven for eternity because they went there. Then they went to Iconium. People got saved there. People will be in heaven praising the Lord because they went there. And then they went to Lystra uh, and Derby, And uh, people will be in heaven because they went there too. They faithfully preached the word. They went where God told them to go and said what God told them to say. The word continued to spread. The church continued to be built. The Jews were trying to stop it. Did they accomplish what they wanted, the unbelieving Jews? I think they wanted to stop and destroy the church. Like, remember Paul before them? Uh, he was one of them before. And he, he gives us a lot of insight into this. He wanted to destroy the church. Uh, and that's probably what they wanted to do. Did they accomplish that? They actually caused the spread of the gospel even more, I think, because that's when uh, they went to Lystra and Derby, and they preached the gospel even more, and more things are going to happen there. You can't stop the church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So what have we learned here? Uh, well, the message went out to Jews and Gentiles, and they both got saved. What was the one message that could save anybody? The message of grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. By his grace, anyone can be saved. I hope you've all accepted that. If you haven't, the first thing you should apply to this message is get saved today. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ today. You can. doesn't matter what your background is. Uh, he died for you and rose again. He loves you very much. Turn to him today. You might think you're not worthy of that. You're not good enough. Well, it's all God's grace. He knows you're not worthy. Uh, and that's why he did everything for you. Turn to him today, and uh, you could be rejoicing to today, along with all the, the believers and the angels today, too. Uh, the gospel's for everyone. If we believe that, we should share that with everybody. Uh, is there anyone the gospel's not for? If there's not, uh, then we should be sharing with everybody. Who should you be sharing the gospel with, uh, this good news? We shouldn't keep it to ourselves we should share it. Make sure you're doing that in some way. Don't follow the crowds. Uh, don't seek the approval of the crowds. We need to be careful about that. Crowds can be swayed. We can be swayed. Even Christians can be, be swayed into that. Stay close to God. Read his word and, and stay close to him and listen to the Holy Spirit. And when God says when to go, you should go. And when God says when to stay, you should stay. Listen to him. Follow what he has you 
to do, and he can use you in amazing ways uh, to do great things. One thing I shared this morning at breaking of bread, uh, I was planning to talk a lot about the crowds today. It is important not to follow the crowd a lot of the time, uh, and we need to be careful about just seeking the approval of the crowd, but there is a good crowd, isn't there? A crowd I read about this morning. Uh, let me just read about it once again. In Revelation chapter 5, this is a crowd that you can follow, everybody, and it would be good to be a part of that crowd uh, even today. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures and elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the, that's the things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be a part of that crowd, Lord. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you and to be worshiping you, Lord. We just acknowledge that Jesus is worthy, that Jesus is the, what everybody on this earth needs, Lord. What we need, uh, help us to spread the good word about Jesus to everyone, Lord, the message of your grace. Uh, may we accept it, may we spread it, uh, may we go where you call us to go, Lord, and do what you call us to do. Uh, use the people here in this church, Lord, in mighty ways, just like you did Paul and Barnabas, Lord, and we pray your gospel would spread, your, your church would increase and grow, and uh, that you would be worshipped by even more people. Pray us in Jesus' name, amen.